Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. My name is Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Ready and Newman, and I'll be doing the conference today. Um, Gayatri, can you start our first question, please? Sure, Rebecca. Rohini? Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for your time. Uh, I'm currently on my STEM OPT, um, and I wanted to know if I take up uh, employ- two employments employer with employer A and employer B, should I notify each of these employers about my other uh, job? You're not required to. Um, so when you're on STEM OPT, you can work for more than one employer at the same time. You just need to notify the DSO at your school so that okay. you have an I-20 endorsed for employment with each of them. And, um, you know, each of them may need to submit the I-983 training plan for your DSO to review, but the two companies don't necessarily need to know about each other. Okay. And also about uh, I-20 having both these employers. So when, uh, if at all my H-1B gets picked with either of the employers and I take that up while filing, is it, a, is it any of concern having two employers on my I-20? Uh, no, it doesn't affect the you know, validity of the H-1B or the chances of it getting approved. Um, one thing, if you're looking to make sure that the companies don't know that you're working for both concurrently, if one of them does register you for the lottery and it gets selected and they file for you, usually your I-20s does need to be part of the supporting documents. Mm-hmm. Companies usually won't go through your I-20s in that much detail, but that just may be something to keep in mind as well. They, you don't need to let them know about each other yourself, but if they happen to review your I-20s as part of the H-1B preparation, they may find out. Okay. Sorry, one last question. Is there anywhere I have to say which hours I'll be working for these two, like in DSO or anywhere? Is it like compliant for me to say what are the hours I'll be working for these employers? Um, Yes, you do need to let your DSO know whether it's full-time or part-time. Okay. Thank you so much. Next question. Anindar? Yes. Hi. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I have a question regarding my 485. I downgraded uh, back in 2020, October. I received first RFE uh, in Jan 2022, uh, pretty much the same info that I submitted. And I received another RFE actually yesterday. And it's it said the RFE response didn't reach, reach my file. So basically they're requesting the same info, uh, like okay. I-94s, date of birth certificates. And one question that's unique was, it says because you are eligible for both EB2 and EB3, would which one would you like to prefer for adjudication? Yeah. So, um, has your company uh, already submitted an interfile request to EB2? No, because I'm eligible with EB3. I'm not eligible. 
Oh, your priority um, date is current under EB3? Yes, yes. Okay. Sorry, yeah, priority date current in EB3, so I'm not eligible. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, it doesn't surprise me too much that they're sending an, another RFE basically just saying that they didn't match up your previous response with the file. They've been transferring I-485 files quite a bit from Texas, Nebraska to the National Benefit Center, then sometimes from there to local district offices. Um, Mine's still so, Nebraska, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much. At least they said in the RFE that basically you, they're just asking mm -hmm. for a resubmission because I guess they misplaced it, but they know at least that you did submit the RFE on time. So I would just resubmit the same documents. One question I have is I interfiled my medicals prior to receiving my first RFE. Do I need to include my medicals again? It didn't ask, but... It wouldn't hurt um, if you have an extra copy or are okay with the expense of submitting sure. another one because it sure, would, hurt, yeah. you never know for sure if the one that you send in independently, if it gets updated to the file, yes. much better chance if you're sending it in with an RFE. So um, it wouldn't hurt. It just may not be necessary if they actually receive sure. the first one. And, and one then last question. Uh, uh -huh. Sorry. Like, what would you recommend EB2 or EB3 months currently yeah. both? Um, your date is current in both, so it shouldn't really make a difference for you. We do see EB3s getting approved um, if the priority date is current, but they do seem to be encouraging people to interfile the EB2. So if, yeah, if you are employed with the same I-140 petitioner and they are fine with EB2, which it shouldn't really make much difference to the company if you're still working for them in the same position. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt to go ahead and send in a J supplement um, along with the RFE response. The response. Yeah. Okay. This so for the and medicals. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, okay. And the same documents that they requested yes. from you before. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate sure. it. Uh, next question. Sarat Godi. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the call. Uh, so I have a, a so we, we got a green card three years back. Uh, and my family, uh, they are actually already in India and they are planning to uh, have an extended stay uh, more than six months, but it is, uh, but will be less than one year. So is it going to be a problem when uh, at the port of entry when they come back? Um, and I'm assuming they didn't apply for a re-entry permit previously, right? Uh, no, they didn't. No, we didn't apply for that. Technically, if it is less than one year, um, it is it may still be fine um if it crosses one year of outside being outside the us there is this there cbp basically presumes that you've abandoned the residence in the us if it's between six months and one year they may ask about it so um i would just have them be prepared to explain why they've been outside the us for so long and um you know, have documentation that they didn't abandon their residence here. So if you all still have um, a home here, bank accounts, if the children are still enrolled in school or are planning to attend school in the fall, you know, records of that, um, anything else, you know, driver's license, insurance policies here in the U.S. Um, that, yeah, as long as they're prepared for that and just be prepared for being, um, put in deferred secondary inspection and for the, you know, admission to take longer than normal. Um, but if they're prepared with all those documents, explanation, um, it should still be fine as long as it's yeah. less than- I am going to, 
No, sorry, I am going to stay here and uh, only they are going to be there and I am going to maintain their health insurance, uh, bank accounts and I am even going to do the tax filing and everything and even we own your home, so we are going to maintain all those things. Okay, yeah, so as long as you're prepared with all that, it, it should be okay. Okay, thank you, thank you. Sure. Next question. Tayaru. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Uh, thanks for taking this call. Um, my uh, my husband, my son, and myself are three applicants on my husband's application. He's the primary applicant, and both of us are derivative applicants. My husband and my son got their green cards uh, last week, and mine is still in pending status after it is transferred from Taxes uh, Service Center to uh, what is that national benefit center yeah. at that time also both of our uh, you know my my case uh, update came first and after a week theirs came and during the adjudication also they they both got adjudicated uh, like 15 days back the update has come that the new cards have been printed and all that uh, now, do I? Uh, is it very normal that is happening these days? Is is uh, my last name is different from both of theirs? Uh, is is it anything to do with that? Yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. It is happening quite a bit um, recently that uh, families are not all getting the approval at the same time, even though they applied at the same time. Um, and I mean, a lot of times the last names don't match exactly so it shouldn't be you know a problem just because of that it just seems for whatever reason within USCIS maybe to speed up processing they think on their side they're just splitting up files sometimes so we do pretty commonly actually see um, one or two family members getting approved and one or two not um, approved yet um, it hasn't been a problem at all so far for the remaining pending application. Um, it just is a matter of time, I think, before it gets approved eventually. The downside is that it could, in the cases that we've seen, um, sometimes it comes through within a few weeks. Um, the most recent one of my cases that was like that, it was about three weeks later that the mm -hmm. um, remaining spouse got their green card after the principal applicant and child got theirs. But I have had some cases where it's taken some months, like three, four. The most extreme case was about six months. Um, I don't think it will take that long in your case because USCIS is trying to hit a September 30th target. So I think at latest mm -hmm. it should be, you know, September um, by the time yours gets approved, but hopefully earlier than that. But I wouldn't worry about it. It's you're definitely not alone. It doesn't mean something is wrong with your application. Um, yeah, just for whatever reason within USCIS, that's what's happening right now. Okay, so okay, I can I can wait and see for some more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sure. I appreciate it. Next question. Sham. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I have a question. Uh, I'm working with my employer since 2018 and they filed my H-1B visa and my current visa is till September 2022. But uh, okay. during this year in February 2022, they laid off me and as I went on six, uh, H-1B visa, I got a 60 days grace period to find a new job. Mm -hmm. But uh, so 
asking between 60 days i found an another opportunity as a contract opportunity where they have applied for my transfers as well but my petition is still under process it's been more than two months i keep checking the status but it still says it's under review it's under review no updates from anywhere and mm-hmm. also uh, i don't know how much time it's going to take if i check the status online like there are see it's in the texas service center normally take that estimated time is 1.5 months but it's been more than that and also uh, also currently i'm active look actively looking for full time jobs as well so would you tell me uh, what are the documents required if i get a full time opportunity in between my petition is under process right so the transfer application that is pending right now it was filed within the 60 day grace period after your termination yes yes it was filed on the 59th date basically they received okay. on the 59th date okay yeah. that's fine as long as it was within the mm-hmm. 60 days um yeah uh it doesn't surprise me that much actually that it's still pending even if the posted processing time is shorter um it is still pretty common for regular processing h1b applications to take three four months sometimes a bit more mm-hmm. um really the only way to kind of guarantee a set amount of time to get uh, a decision is by upgrading it to premium processing. Um, I would say if you are looking at transferring to another company and having them file the H-1B application for you. So right now you are in a period of authorized stay based on the pending transfer application. As long as the transfer eventually gets approved, um, then you know this pending time right now, you'll be considered in status if the current transfer gets approved. But if you file another transfer application right now while the current transfer is still pending, that can be more complicated because then the new transfer won't be adjudicated until they process the current pending one because they need to know whether you're in status or not. And the current application is what will tell you as CIS whether you're in status. But if you have left this current company to go to a new employer while the transfer is still pending. Um, this current employer B, for example, could withdraw the application and then, then you won't have any you know, status to get employer C's application approved. Um, so I would recommend if you just upgrade the current application to premium processing, then you have some certainty on that once it's approved you can transfer on to employer c without a problem okay and uh, so basically you're trying to say just uh, uh, for, for the car employer b which is under process i do the premium processing and once that's approved i got a confirmation and then after that uh, with the new employer the documents would require the i797 approval and the pay stubs of the employer right the current employer. yeah of employer b right mm-hmm. uh, okay yeah that's it Thank you so much. Sure. Next question. Dinesh. Yes. Um, thank you for giving an opportunity. The quick thing is um, uh, if I enter on parole um, and continue working with the same employer, um, will I continue my H1? Um, you can. So... Technically, when you use advanced parole to enter the U.S., because that's your most recent entry, um, I would say it's kind of a gray area because at the time that you enter using the advanced parole, you're not really in H-1B status anymore. 
because your most recent I-94 won't say H-1B, but there is um, kind of this old USCIS memo where they say that if you have done that, if you have entered the U.S. in advance parole at a time when your H-1B petition is still valid, then the H-1B employer can still file an extension of that application for you. And basically you can get back into H-1B status through that H-1B extension um, without having to leave the country, get H-1B stamping or something like that. Um, so I would say it's kind of a gray area because from the time you enter using advanced parole, at that moment, you're not really in H-1B status, but you can probably get back into H-1B status if your employer were to file an H-1B extension for you. Because then once that's approved, you'll have an I-94 that says H-1B on it. Okay, and that will be internal transfer. Um, so that will be internal change of status, right? No need to go stamping in that case. Yeah, actually it would be filed as, it can be a transfer filed by a new company. Um, actually, I'm not sure if it can be a transfer filed with a new company. I believe the memo only refers to an extension with the same oh. employer. Um, but if, you are H1, if your current H-1B is not expiring soon, um, one way to kind of get that H-1B I-94 sooner with the same employer is to have them just file an amendment. Maybe if your salary has changed even a little bit, um, if they file it as an amendment plus extension, that would allow them to file at any time and you can get that I-94 for H-1B. Okay, and but when I enter to the file an amendment, um, what would be my work? Um, should I work on EAD or continue work on H-1B? Yes, until that H-1B is approved, that new H-1B application is approved, your work authorization would need to be based on the EAD. Okay. 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 And just a quick thing. I mean, um, I I'm currently a remote worker. And uh, um, so initial H-1 had a client location. Now it's just in the same MSA 20 miles away from the home, um, but uh, working from home and uh, they have amended the LCA. Um, work from home. Um, um, when I fill a DS-160, which added should I pu put in the DS-160, the latest internal amended LCA? Um, yes, it's usually best to match all the information in the DS-160 to what's in the most recent approved application. Um, yeah, if your work location has changed since that LCA, but you're working in the same MSA, for example, if you're just working from home in the same city where your company listed the work location, that's fine because if it's in the same MSA, it's still covered by that LCA. So that should be fine to list your home address as the work location in that situation. Okay, because they have made that a location inactive, probably nobody's there. So I started yeah, using my home address. Work, just yeah, you can miles. list your home address then as long as it's in the same MSA, okay? Uh, oh, next thank you. Sure. Sundari? Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have uh, two questions, actually. Uh, the first one is um, I uh, my priority date is October 2022. Sorry, and uh, it's well, uh, my priority date is October, um, I mean, uh, October 2014. So it's going to be current in July. So uh, I'm trying to apply I-140 with my current employer in EB2. It, my I-140 EB3 was approved, but not EB2. So I'm trying to apply, but it's taking time for them. So I'm trying to contact my pre previous employer 
um, because then the EB2 I140 was approved and uh, mm -hmm. uh, and they said okay and they I'm trying to do a 485 with them but my okay. question is um, they the the prior employer assets were sold it seems and not whole company to some some other company like it's not completely acquired by some other company it seems the assets were sold but not sure if I will get any uh, query or RFP for I-45 stage with prior employer. Yeah, so if the I-140 petitioning company no longer exists um, or you know if it's basically been merged into another company, um, mm -hmm. the new company would need to qualify as a successor in interest in order to be able to file the J supplement in support of your I-45 application. Um, so basically the new company, the new entity has to, in the merger agreement or whatever the company paperwork was, um, the new company has to have agreed to take on the immigration liabilities of the previous company, the company that filed your I-140, including the perm labor certifications, LCAs, that kind of thing. Um, you, if they have executed that agreement and that is part of the company merger paperwork, then the new company should be considered a successor in interest. And with the J supplement, you can just include an explanation of that with those documents that confirm that they're a successor in interest. Um, but that will kind of depend on, you would need to sort of speak to your prior I-140 petitioner to discuss with them if that is the case, if the new company is a successor in interest. Okay. Um, uh, thank you. And uh, so suppose if I apply 485 with the prior company and can I apply um, same 485 in EB to same category in, with my current company too? Is that any problem? That's, no, that's no problem. You can have more than one EB2 I-485 filed and pending. They may not be necessary, but that's fine um, for you to have both. Um, you know, when this, when your current employer's perm eventually gets approved and they can get the I-140 approved, they can file an I-485 also um, based on that. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Um, that's all I have uh, for now. Thank you. Sure. Next question. Kiran? Hi. Hi, Rebecca. Uh, this is Hi. Kiran here. A uh, few years before when we were doing uh, H-1B extension, my I-94 number was swapped with my wife's I-94 number. Uh, so then the next year, I was getting one year extensions uh, those times. So when we did the extensions uh, the next year, I got my I-94 back and my wife got hers back. Uh, so it was corrected uh, when we applied okay. for the next year H-1B extension. So okay. uh, I'm going to go to India on expedited uh, advanced payroll uh, in the coming few days. So would that be a problem um, that I-94? No, it shouldn't be um, because if you're traveling on advanced parole, you don't need to go to the consulate at all when you're coming back in. You're not technically coming back in an H-1B status. So CBP shouldn't really be looking into too much, um, you know, a prior I-94 mismatch. Even if you were coming back in H-1B status, if it was corrected in the next extension, it should be fine. Um, but yeah, it's even more so if you're traveling on advanced parole, it shouldn't be an issue at all. 
Okay, that's great. Thank you. Uh, one other question that I have. My EB2 was uh, downgraded to EB3 last October 2020, and uh, the dates retrogressed. Uh, my EB2 is current, but not EB3. Uh, EB3 was amended, so my attorney said uh, to interfile, we need to get the EB2 back. Yeah. So we did. I did uh, do new EB2, but it is taking so long. Um, in in the coming few weeks, if I get my EB2 back, uh, can I just interfile or is it too late? Because USCIS said they will honor uh, all the applications that were filed in the early June. No, I don't think it would be too late. And also for your current I-140 that's pending in EB2, if you can have it upgraded to premium processing, I would recommend that if the company is willing to um, premium process it just to get that done faster. Um, but uh, when it is approved, the EB2, you can um, still request the interfile. Um, it's not clear what, so UCIS did uh, make the statement that their target for September 30th is any eligible applications that were filed by June, 2022. Um, I take that to mean that yours would be in that category if you interfile to EB2 because your application has been pending since October 2020. Right. Um, I don't think they're basing it on the interfile request date um, because the interfile request, once it's submitted, it seems like UCIS does have a pretty good system now for updating the file where they scan it and electronically notify the officer. So once the file is in the EB2 category, it's now eligible to be approved and it's been pending since October 2020. So it's in that group, in that category that USCIS is targeting. Oh, that's so, great news. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend premium processing the EB2 if your employer is willing to and then um, doing the interfile as soon as possible. Next question. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Am I audible? Sorry, I'm sorry if y'all can hear. Our office is kind of doing a July 4th um, pre-celebration outside my office. and so, um, But I can still hear you if you can hear me. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, this is uh, regarding the PERM application, you know. Earlier, uh, my previous employer applied the perm uh, like uh, in 2012. And for H6, there is a section called H6, right? Is experience in the job offered required for the job? You know, they uh -huh. put as yes, you know. And okay. for J18, does the IEN have the experience as required for the requested uh, job opportunity indicated in question H6? Then they put yes that time and it was approved, you know. But now the new employer, they are filing the perm. Uh -huh. uh, so they put the H6 as no and J18 as NA, not applicable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I raised this question, they say that, please note that uh, this refers to the minimum requirements as established for the perm position. It was marked on yes on your uh, prior perm, but the minimum requirement for the for the, uh, that perm have no bearing on the current one. Yeah. 
That is correct. So it's, you're talking about the perm that's being filed now is by a completely different company, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not a problem. It won't, you know, result in any conflict um, in USCIS uh, because it's a different company, a different position that they're sponsoring you for. Um, it's absolutely fine if the if this other company has different minimum requirements for the position that they are sponsoring you for. So it can be, you know, technically it could be a completely different education level requirement. It could be a completely different experience requirement as long as uh, you personally qualify for the position um, and that there isn't any inconsistency on what they're saying about your qualifications, uh, right. then there's no problem. I see. So it should be okay in that case. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One more question I have is on J13, year relevant education completed. Yeah. On the, on the 90889, J13, there is a, a year relevant education completed. So my master's was completed on July 1996, but my diploma was awarded in uh, 1997, June. So that time in the previous firm, it was mentioned as when it was completed 1996, but mm -hmm. now they want to show it as 1997. I think that should be fine. I think the, um, the government does seem to be aware of kind of the different way that the diplomas are um, the kind of delay in the certificate being awarded sometimes in for education abroad. Um, as long as you have the doc, if it was ever inquired about, I don't think it would really be scrutinized, but if it was ever inquired about, as long as you have the documents to show kind of the transcripts that show when you completed the course requirements and then the diploma with 1997 on it, that should be, you know, a pretty clear explanation of, you know, it, different okay, attorneys it is could theoretically right. yeah okay. it should be fine okay. yeah right and also in the previous firm there was a rfe asking me to provide the affidavit you know i'm not paying for any perm expenses okay. uh, so that was given and it was approved like after eight months or ten months but this time should i ask my attorney to add that one and send it no i definitely would not proactively add in something like that. Um, the kind of potential audit triggers are a bit different for each company. It really depends on the company. So just because that happened for your previous perm does not mean at all that there's a better chance of it happening on, on this current one. Um, I definitely would, even if there was, I wouldn't proactively send in anything like that. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Next Thank question. You. Thank, you sure. yeah. Thank you very much. Sure. Uh, Gayatri, next question. Ravi? Ravi? Uh, hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so my question is, I have a, currently an underlying EB3 um, uh, uh, green card petition in the process and also a refile of EB2 last year in December, right, which went into case remains pending currently like a couple of days back. So the situation is different to this though. I have a, I'm a contractor working for a staffing firm and my project is coming to an end and I have to move to a different client. So if I have to file an amendment, how would that affect my 485 and all that, which is in place? Uh, if you file an H1B amendment, you mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. It should not really affect the green card process um, as long as the perm that your I-140 is based on included language along the lines of will work in unanticipated locations, um, mm -hmm. which for most uh, consulting companies, they're well aware that that has to be included on the perm. So um, as long as that was there on the perm, then that's fine. The H-1B amendment really won't affect the pending green card process at all. Do we have to notify USCIS or anything about the amendment? No, right. So just no. amendment and work, work, go ahead and do. Okay. And next question. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. one thing I did want to mention, if your work location or if your home address is changing as a result of this move, um, you do need to update your home address with USCIS for the I-45. Um, that yeah. is pretty important. Home address still remains the same. So one one more okay. question follow up to, to that case remains pending, which which got changed on my EB two. Not uh, I did not interfile. I did a refile, and it okay. got, I got that status uh, like four days back. Uh, with my I'm and current on EB two also. Any action which I have to take so that let USAS know why it went into case remains pending or anything which from my side. No, not necessarily. Um. Let me see, did you submit the medical exam with the refile? Everything, yep, okay. all of it is in there. Yeah, so. um, yeah, I don't think you need to do anything right now. Um, it was filed early enough and it sounds like the party date is current. So um, medical exams are there, biometrics have been done. So it is kind of in those group of cases that UCIS is targeting to adjudicate by September 30th. So it's just a matter of, I'm hoping that it, it, I can do that. Any reason why could the status go back to case remains pending? Like, would because I got to I got a status saying that your 485J might not be we would we might not have, uh, have access to your 485J or something like that. But I filed all of them together. So so. Um, um, what was the case status before it says case remains pending? Fingerprints were applied. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fine. Um, so probably it just got moved maybe to another officer. Um, potentially, maybe it was moved to a local field office. The case status um, website, we know from USCIS's own FAQs that they've answered, it's not very well updated or it's not very specific. Um, they have kind of a limited selection of status updates that are not, have not really been updated for this current situation where files are being interfiled a lot or transferred from different offices. So um, sometimes it just updates like that, maybe when it got moved to a new officer, maybe when it got moved to a local field office, um, but we just don't know for sure. Um, so, but yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. So I, would, I can still hope that it gets adjudicated by September, right? That's yeah, right. definitely. I think there's a good chance your case is within that category that they're targeting. Okay, thank you. Um, so we'll have to end the conference here for today. The next one will be tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.